You're listening to the Future Tech Health Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Until I reached age 40, I never realized the obvious, that we all have medical issues, or we at least have a family member or close relation that had, has, or will have them in the future. Medicine and biological systems are the final frontier. Until we've conquered death, figured out how life began, cured cancer, and understood our purpose in the universe, there's a heck of a lot to talk about when it comes to our health. Future Tech Health means I'll be covering futuristic topics that are actually already in clinical trials or even starting to appear on shelves or by prescription or available for your own use. We dive deep into stem cells, CRISPR-Cas9, the science of sleep, epigenetics, medical testing, cancer, ketogenic diets, stem cells, aging, regenerative medicine, and more. My goal for you, the listener, is to learn from these podcasts. You may very well learn something that may change the course of your life for the better, steer you towards a new career, or give you insight into addressing a serious medical problem. Remember, however, this podcast and its content is informational in nature only. No medical, tax, legal, financial, or psychological advice is being given. If you enjoy the podcast, please listen, subscribe, like, and share it with friends. Thank you. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Future Tech and Future Tech Health podcast. I have Dan Sider. He's the founder of an app called Misu, M-I-S-U. The website itself is misu.app. And uh, it's talking about tracking tracking physical health, but we'll get into those details. So, Dan, thanks for coming. Yeah, thanks for having us. And a, a quick correction, this is about tracking emotional health. Uh, emotion, well, part of health, but uh, emotional health. Sorry. Yeah. So, first of all, the name is curious. Where does the name come from? And then uh, let's talk about what the app does. Yeah, the name uh, embodies our mission. So the short, the misu is short for tiramisu, which means a, uh, one, it's a really tasty dessert, but it also means a pick-me-up. And our goal right now, while we're helping people track their emotional health, um, the goal over the long term is to help enhance people's well-being in an effortless way. And it's, it's in our name. Okay. And you said it's about emotional health. So what's the, again, what's the presence of the app? How would you describe it? Yeah, right now, Misu is like a Fitbit for your emotional health. Um, It requires no hardware. It tracks your mood completely automatically. There's a lot of people out there who want to track their mood for a variety of reasons, whether it be building more self-awareness, better understanding their trends, their triggers, reducing the amount of stress they deal with. Uh, It's actually about 10% of the American population, and they struggle doing so because it's a really hard habit to keep up. It takes time, it takes motivation, and we've completely automated this using a software-only solution. Uh, And that's that's what we do today. Again, what what condition would I be in to want to use the app, and what would it do for me? Yeah, so if you're looking to build more self-awareness, better understand your trends, um, these, I, I suppose the, the kind of person that is likely to use this is someone who is already tracking their fitness health. They might use a Fitbit already, maybe some other kind of fitness tracker. Maybe they struggle with some kind of mental health challenge like anxiety or depression. And, um, for me, that was the inspiration behind building this because I dealt with a personal struggle. So again, uh, so someone uses, let's say a Fitbit, let's say they struggle with anxiety and or depression. Again, how does your app come in? What do they do and what does it uh, help them do? Uh-huh. So for me, when I, I so I was diagnosed with a, a serious mental health condition 
eight years ago. And my psychiatrists recommended I track my mood because the more that I can understand how uh, what my anxiety, my depression, when it's coming in, what might be triggering it, um, the better I can deal with managing it, the better I can deal with working with my psychiatrists and therapists, and the better that I can regulate my own behavior so I avoid more things that cause me more anxiety or more depression, and I, I have better control over my mental health. And that's what tracking does. Uh, so for me, I've, I've learned over the years of tracking my mood manually over a thousand times and automatically, cumulatively over a hundred thousand times. I am a lot more aware of when am I feeling anxious? Um, when am I feeling depressed? What are the sorts of things that contribute to the, to feeling these ways? And overall, I'm a lot happier. I'm a lot less stressed. I still deal with struggles in life, but I feel like I have a, a greater sense of control. And I think a lot of people are searching for that. That's interesting. So what, what's some interesting data that you saw when you did the tracking? What strange triggers or obvious triggers that you discover? Oh, yeah. Um, I think one is is just learning the learning what anxiety feels like. I had no idea, even a year or so into um, tracking my mood daily, I did not understand yet where where was it that anxiety showed up somatically in my body? What was this tightness in my chest that I felt? It took me a while, but I finally learned that um, I can physically feel what anxiety feels like. And I've learned that, surprise, surprise, drinking alcohol uh, can, when I'm in a lower state overall, can cause me to feel a lot lower over the next few days. So I notice now I change my behavior. If my mood is a little bit lower, I won't drink uh, because that really negatively impacts my well-being. And consistently, I'm learning new things. Like now, when I notice myself feeling a little bit more anxious, instead of for the most part, instead of staying at home and watching a bunch of Netflix, I'll go out for a bike ride. I'll spend some time by the water, be around nature, uh, maybe listen to an audio book. And overall, it's helped me help empower a lot of change uh, within my behaviors and how I manage my mental health. And I, by no means am I saying this is a be-all, end-all solution. I think this is a, a one piece of the puzzle, and, uh, it, and it can be a very useful one. Yeah, that's interesting. What's... Um... So how many users do you estimate use the app? And uh, I'm sure you get tons of more feedback from them. What's, uh, what interesting things are they reporting? Yeah. So right now we're in a closed beta. Um, we built a manual tracker before where oh, 280,000 people had used this product. So the, that's the group that we're slowly rolling this automated tracker out to. There's some really interesting things. For one, um, people want their mood tracked more often. Right now, we only do it every, at most, 30 seconds. Some people are saying, I want my mood tracked every single second while I'm on my computer. This is a desktop app. Um, there, and, and I think in general, like no one's yet built a consumer-facing product that's automatically tracking well-being. This is a big leap through in uh, leveraging new kinds of leveraging machine learning, uh, if I'm going to slip in a buzzword over there. Uh, and it's, I'm actually kind of surprised how accurate people are saying this, this tracker is. There's, people are letting us know that it's 
actually tracking that they're a lot happier when they spend time around people or when someone went through a breakup, as sad as it was that they were dealing with a lot more sadness, the tracker picked up on this. And this is a major milestone in being able to shape what the future of this technology looks like. Because if we can accurately track how people feel, we can start learning how behaviors impact our well-being. And I think that that value add is a lot greater than just a tool that is a reflection of how you feel. Yeah, but tracking your mood too often seems like uh, checking the price of the stocks you have in your portfolio every second. It seems like it would lead you to uh, constantly be, I don't know, uh, on edge mentally and not able to just be in the moment. I I do agree with that. I think um, balance is a very important thing in all aspects in life, especially within mental health. Um, and that's part of why we are working and so focused on getting to the next step of the value that we can bring to people, which is uh, how does how has what I have done this week impacted my well-being? How did this pot going on this podcast with you, Rich, how did this impact my well-being? Um, did going for that bike ride late at night when I was slightly anxious, did that positively impact my well-being for the next few days or negatively? And when I can get this kind of feedback, my ability to learn and regulate my behavior becomes a lot more effective. And this heads, this kind of unlocks a door for what consumer platforms can look like. If individuals know how everything that they have done or could do would impact their long being, I imagine people's behaviors are going to largely change, which will have cascading impact on uh, other industries that interface with consumers. Well, how do you make sure that you're helping people and not doing them a disservice by allowing them to track their mood? I mean, how do you, are you allowed to provide guidance you know, do you have maybe counselors that are associated with the app to help people? You know, if I can track my mood and it's all over the place, it's, it's really, I don't know, it varies more than I'd like to admit, let's say, then what do I do about it? I think one, there's no, no, no such thing as a, an unhealthy emotion. Um, there's really only, there, there are unpleasant ones and like every, the way you feel is valid. Um, we don't place judgment and it does take a lot of um, a lot of thoughtfulness into how we go about building the product. So in case someone isn't having a great week that they're, they don't feel worse about themselves by going to the product. Um, this, this is a big challenge within building this. And I, I suppose right now we don't connect people with an additional professional, um, but that would be a very clear additional value add for in the case when someone is dealing with a lower mood. And right now, as I mentioned, like we are a mirror. We help people build more awareness and ground their perspective of their emotional selves in reality. Because how often does the average person take a moment and check in, how am I feeling right now? How am I feeling today? Why might I be feeling this way? We help people answer those questions. And with more awareness comes more control and better emotional regulation. So there is value in knowing, and that's what we provide people now. Well, um, again, are you allowed to provide guidance to people mm. based on how they feel and what level of guidance can you provide? Do they want that? Yeah, it 
turns out one of the things that people want most is not just a reflection of how they feel, but they want to be told, okay, I feel this way. So now what? Now what can I do? And it's, we can go and hard code some suggestions, but I, I think the, the value that people get from that is um, it, it, building a product that actually improves people's mood is uh, an order of magnitude harder than building a product that is just aware. And that's the challenge that we're working towards. Um, first, we want to measure people's mood really well so we can actually understand what impacts people's well-being. Um, and to answer your question more directly, we can give suggestions. Um, we, and that is, the, that is the direction we are headed. At some point, I would love to be able to go to my phone, open up some application. Uh, maybe this is our application. And it says, here are a bunch of articles that you can read that would be great for your well-being now. And these articles are probably going to improve your mood over the next few days, maybe even the next few weeks even just marginally. If I keep doing little things that increase my mood by a couple percent over a long period of time, these things add up. And maybe it's not just articles or videos, but this is um, places for me to go. This is for activities for me to do. I'd love my assistance in organizing and optimizing my life to improve my well-being. We don't have technology that does this today, and this is largely because we just aren't measuring it. And when we do, we already have the systems in place to make these kinds of uh, of recommendations. What what kind of conditions are people telling you they have on the app, or you know, what what's your interaction with app users? Do you quiz them or talk to them or you know, yeah. ask for feedback? Like, what's that look like? Uh, so we do uh, customer interviews frequently, where we bring people in and chat for an hour. We have a community for anyone who joins the app. We invite them to this Facebook community where there is really active discussions and people are giving their their praise and their critical feedback. And it's it's a lot of fun uh, building this, not just with the team, but with an entire community who's shaping this product. Uh, one of the things that that I did find interesting is that people said, all right, this data is really cool. And I imagine there's some really cool research and policy that can be made with this, re with this data. I'd love to know what progress you guys are making on that. And in fact, I feel great using the app, knowing that it might even just be contributing to something greater than myself. Well, uh, I could see different people on the app I don't know, under a certain condition, let's say bipolar disorder, if they think they have it, joining a group where they can interact with each other. What if they could be an advocate for each other? You know, like uh, mm -hmm. I could, let's say I have bipolar disorder. What if the app allowed me to have an accountability partner or just, I don't know, an emotional support partner where they have it too. And if I'm feeling good that day and they're not, I can support them somehow and vice versa. Maybe it's yeah. a community that would help people, you know? I think those communities are fantastic. There's an application called Seven Cups of Tea that does this really well. And I am... I am supportive of of what they do and their mission. If um, I suppose if anyone's listening here and interested in that sort of community, uh, if you Google seven cups of tea, they do exactly what Rich just mentioned. They help pair you up with a listener, someone who might be going through a similar struggle as you, and they're the largest group. I think they deal with, they have a couple like million um, connections every month. 
So it's a it's a really powerful service. And if that's the sort of service you're looking for, I, I highly recommend Seven Cups of Tea. Oh, that's great. But so where's the uniqueness that you want to capture in your service? What a, what about it is going to be a game changer for people? Yeah, ten percent of America wants to track their emotional health. Uh, they want to do this because they want more self awareness. We provide the service to them. No one like people don't keep up the habit today because it's a pain. We do it. We do it fully automatically. It requires no work from the individual until they actually want to uh, learn more about their well-being. And uh, over the long term, it's providing like, why don't we have social media that's designed to actually improve our well-being to help us build up the habits that we've been really trying to, to help us build like deeper connections with our friendships that, uh, improve our well-being, to help us connect with other people that are going to improve our well-being, to go out to events that are going to improve our well-being. There, I I see the the future of this industry um, of all consumer-facing, almost all consumer-facing products headed in that direction. And it's going to happen when uh, when consumers are measuring their well-being, when this is out there, and consumers know and are headed towards products that actually improve their well-being. And this uh, this is already starting to happen. People are realizing Facebook came out with research that said, when you passively use Facebook, it's um, leading to um, essentially symptoms that overlap with more depression, with more rumination. And we're seeing in America, people uh, are dropping off of Facebook. So this this kind of consumer-oriented movement towards products to improve our well-being has already started. And measurements are going to help take this to the next level. So, okay. Um, what does the measurement look like? Do you just have like a drop-down on how the person feels or do you encourage them to write a paragraph about how they're feeling? Like, what do you, have you seen as easier with user behavior? Yeah, so this is a fully automatic. We measure emotional state via a webcam. Um, so we have a machine learning model that analyzes emotional health via facial expressions, um, throughout the day. So someone's, I'm on my computer maybe eight hours a day, and this app is tracking my mood a couple hundred times throughout the day. I don't have to enter anything. I, and just like I have a little dashboard that on my, the top of my menu bar on my computer that shows my battery life and my computer's CPU shows my computer health. I have a bar right beside that that shows my emotional health. Um, so this is this is essentially a mirror into my emotional health and a reminder of here's how I'm actually feeling right now, which promotes me to reflect and under, better understand why I might be feeling this way. So, you know, again, without too much personal detail. Are you able to give an example that either you've had or one that you saw that as you thought was, was really instructive? Any stories from users or yourself where you were like, wow, that's really cool. Yeah, I'm 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 taking a moment to think about this. The one that I thought was was sure. um interesting, which I, I think I may have mentioned earlier, was when the the friend did go oh actually <laughs> yeah here's one i was talking with an investor and we had this uh we had the my emotional pulse going on in the background and it was a video chat i was sharing my screen so they could see my emotional pulse and they asked me a question and they noticed my stress spiked up and i paused 
and they called me out that my stress was going up and I, I didn't know what to do. I, my emotions were fully transparent here. Uh, they knew I was stressed. They knew I didn't have a good answer to that question right away, or at least I was nervous about it. But then it clicked on me like, wow, <laughs> this tech is working really well. Um, and we joked about this. The rest of the call, um, it it went a lot better. And then they ended up putting in a, a large check to invest in our company. That's great. Hmm. Um, again, what, what does the input look like? Literally, like, uh, you know, if I'm using the app right now yep. and I'm feeling, you know, nervous, let's say, what do I, is it a drop down? Like, what do I do? How do I log my, yeah. uh, is you it don't... just face only or can I type something into it's just face only. There's no manual input. It's all working in the background fully mm-hmm. automatically. The same way in my fit, I don't manually enter anything. Right. Um, this is fully automatic as well. On Fitbit, they're measuring um, kind of the movement of this tool. And maybe they're also looking in if they're measuring heart rate variability on the newer devices or heart rate. They're looking at uh, kind of the changes in your, I, I think, your skin or your veins. Um, through some sort of optical sensor. And here we're looking at, through the camera, also an optical sensor at the changes in your facial posture and have a, uh, an algorithm that measures uh, your emotional health through those changes in the facial posture. How do I, I mean, I just got to look at my phone. How does it see my face? I mean, what if I went up in my pocket? What do I do with the phone? Yeah, so it's a... Out? It's a Mac OS app, um, so it runs on the computer. And it turns out when we're on the computer, most of the time we're looking at the at the camera, and it only tracks it when it detects your face. Uh, also, I, a, an important point that helps me build a lot of comfort is um, no photos are ever stored. Um, no photos ever leave the computer. They're deleted instantly. And um, that gives me a lot more safety <laughs> running this on my computer. Yeah, no, it makes sense. How long does it, how does it learn? Do you have to manually input stuff at first? Like how long does it has, how many times does it have to see you in order to learn you? Yeah. So right now it, uh, it builds a baseline um, off of yourself. And in fact, it's kind of the, like I, as the um, consumer of this product, am learning what is my emotional health score? What is my baseline? What is my norm? That is something that we're changing up over the next uh, this week to help build a normal baseline. So a, a 70 um, score of emotional health is a norm. And an 80 is, you know, that's pretty good. A, a 90, we're having a fantastic day. Um, and so we trained this off of a data set where we had asked our consumers, um, we had built a manual mood tracker in the past where nearly 300,000 people used it. And we asked some of them, can we take photos of you in the background while you're ma- manually logging your mood? We collected a, a, a data set of a couple hundred thousand photos that were labeled um, with people's labeled of their emotional state with their resting faces. And this data um, turned out to be very useful in building this machine learning model that we use to d- detect emotional state today. This would be interesting if it was used in a, I guess, maybe a totally different way where you had a um... A speaker and the you know the camera was turned on everyone in the audience or you're doing a meeting and it was you know it was involved in all the people in the meeting and you were able to track everyone's emotions in, in real time you know if they let you maybe it was anonymized or something 
um, and you can just mm. see the room how's the room reacting to you that that could definitely be pretty cool i think there there are a lot of applications with this um but i and i i suppose i'm i'm really excited to have um applications as a consumer i want products that are built to improve my well-being and using these measurements to to drive those improvements on um, the same like, like we live in a, a world today where everything's based on engagements and clicks and time spent and we're seeing some of these large tech companies shifting towards um this time well spent uh and investing in products to improve well-being and which which gives me some hope to see uh products that will actually improve uh, when when consumers are, it is the norm. And there are tens of millions of people that are measuring their emotional health that we're starting to see some of these other platforms leveraging that information to design, not just for engagement, but design for wellness. And that, I, like, imagine if Facebook actually was trying to improve our well-being. That would have immense effects on individuals that would have immense effects on the media because the media is designed based on what um, kind of Facebook is going to promote. So the media will start changing their content to improve consumers' wellness uh, to some degree. And that is a world that I am, I am, I'm working towards. Hmm. Um, you, you mentioned earlier on people wanted their, uh, their moods tracked I don't know, constantly. Why? What are they hoping to gain from that? Like, where did that comment come from? Why did the users say that to you? Yeah, they they want, I think what they, their intuition was that if my mood's only being tracked every 30 seconds, there's a lot of expression that happens between, um, between 30 second or one minute chunks of time. And really what it comes down to is people want to know how is it, how do I live my life and how does that impact my well-being? Because people want to make more informed decisions so they do things that improve their wellness. There's a there's a pretty large group of people who want this data and they want to know what is it that impacts my well-being. And this is the the step in that direction to do that. Interesting. So what's the, the current rollout plans for the app, where is it going, and what do you hope to achieve in the next year or so? Yeah, the next year. So we we're in a closed beta right now. We're rolling out to a couple thousand people. We're uh, of our two hundred thousand person mailing list. Now, if more people come in and are and are joining the mailing list and they email us because they're really excited to come on, we'll we'll bump them earlier ahead. Um, the product we want to help people learn how does their their app and web usage impact their well-being. We want to help people learn how their physical health, how their exercise, uh, and where they spend their time impact their well-being. We've also been putting together this um, this event series. Uh, so that, that does mean it's going to be on a mobile and a desktop app. Um, we've been putting together an event series called the Future of Wellness Policy, um, where we're gathering a community of people who want companies bottom line to connect with our well-being. They believe wellness is our right. And they see just like what happened with the tobacco industry where tobacco companies, um, where there was the majority of the population smoking cigarettes, um, it was causing us lung cancer, but we weren't aware of it at the time. And a bunch of researchers got together. They said, is smoking bad for us? Research turned out to say, yes, yes, that was the case. And 
eventually there were communities that pushed this forward. It took a couple of years, but there was finally a $200 billion fine towards these companies for the harm they were causing our society. And it seems there are a lot of similarities here. If smoking was the cancer for our lungs, then is social media the cancer for our minds? And we're collecting data to do this research to connect the impact of how what we do in social media products and the media, how is this impacting our well-being? Um, what are the costs that are associated with this from, from mental health care costs, reduced in productivity, reductions in productivity? And we're gathering this community together because that is what will help between the community and the research, it will get politicians excited about helping push this change forward. And it turns out there are a lot of politicians that are trying to regulate social media already to have a positive impact on our well-being. And we're helping put some fuel on that uh, on that fire. Excellent. So this is for uh, Mac OS. Or what about Android? Is that coming anytime soon? Android and iPhone apps will be will be coming out over the next year. Okay. Very good. So uh, what's the best way for, we have a closed beta, so uh, when will there be an open program and how can people get access to it? Yeah, to get access to the closed beta, if you go to www.misu, that's M-I-S-U dot app, then you can sign up for the beta there. And if you're excited and want to come on board early, shoot me an email at dan at misu dot app and I'll bump you into the front of the line. Well, very good. Well, Dan, thanks for coming on the podcast. I appreciate it. Thanks for putting this together and pushing some new ideas forward, Rich. You're listening to the Future Tech Health Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Until I reached age 40, I never realized the obvious, that we all have medical issues, or we at least have a family member or close relation that had, has, or will have them in the future. Medicine and biological systems are the final frontier. Until we've conquered death, figured out how life began, cured cancer, and understood our purpose in the universe, there's a heck of a lot to talk about when it comes to our health. Future Tech Health means I'll be covering futuristic topics that are actually already in clinical trials, or even starting to appear on shelves, or by prescription, or available for your own use. We dive deep into stem cells, CRISPR-Cas9, the science of sleep, epigenetics, medical testing, cancer, ketogenic diets, stem cells, aging, regenerative medicine, and more. My goal for you, the listener, is to learn from these podcasts. You may very well learn something that may change the course of your life for the better, steer you towards a new career, or give you insight into addressing a serious medical problem. Remember, however, this podcast and its content is informational in nature only. No medical, tax, legal, financial, or psychological advice is being given. If you enjoy the podcast, please listen, subscribe, like, and share it with friends. Thank you.